God says this is how you get out of debt. You gotta run, 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 run. There is no doubt that this process called Financial Peace University works. The only question is whether you're going to be involved. And so if you haven't signed up yet, now is the time. Good morning, church. Um, if you haven't guessed, we are going to be doing Financial Peace University together as a congregation. And I think this is a great program. Um, I have actually gone through it myself. And I was able to pay off $7,500 in student debt in two months. Um, so the program really works. And I think a lot of uh, principles that they have are awesome. So if you would like to get more information, there's going to be a sign-up table in the foyer afterwards. Uh, Jason Call will be taking care of that. So please get information if you need it. This morning, we're going to start off with a prayer. Father God, just like thank you so much for this morning. God, thank you for the opportunity to be able to come and worship you, to be able to be in your presence, Father, to be able to worship you and honor you, God, for the glory that you deserve. I pray that this morning you'd speak through me and that we can learn something from your word and be better for it. Love you so much. I pray this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me turn on my clicker. All right, so the, more, the lesson is titled, Go and Do Likewise. And I actually have a video for you this morning. Um, Play. Actually, can I get you guys to click it for me? Because it doesn't want to click. There you go. off the team, whatever, you know, you just there's so much instability, so much that we don't understand, that, that we don't know. For me, growing up, it was, uh, a lot of you guys know, my mom died giving birth to me, and my dad remarried, then my stepmom died in a car accident when I was nine, then my dad got married again, then my dad died of cancer when I was 12, and so I'm in junior high, my mom's dead, my stepmom's dead, my dad's dead. The only close relatives I had were my, my aunt and uncle, George and Sandra. And then when I was in high school, they got in a fight, and my uncle George shot and killed my aunt, and then stuck the gun to his own head, killed himself. So I'm 16 years old, and this is life to me, going, man, what's next? Everything seems to be falling apart, and we get a little worried, we get a little scared. And this is what Christians do, you know, they try to serve God, but then things get a little rocky. And things get a little unstable. And so we go, okay, that was nuts. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to live like that. Let me, uh, let me hold on. And this is your routine. This is what so many people do. They go, you know what? I'm not going to try anything crazy. I'm just going to sit here and, uh, I'm just going to hold on. And, uh, this is what you look like. You just go, uh, this is what people do. You know what? I'm just going to have my nice little family. We're just going to, um, you know, we're just going to keep to ourselves. We're going to live in a gated community. I'm going to homeschool my kids, make them wear helmets everywhere. I'm going to, um, you know, I'm not going to let them outside because sun has bad rays. I'm going to, um, you know, just on and on and on. And you just live your life in the safety of I don't want to do anything crazy for God. I just I just want to, you know, go to church on Sundays and maybe give like two percent. Um, and uh, maybe serve help the nursery because I feel guilty. 
And then you do this your whole life. And then you, you go, your greatest prayer is like, God, you know what? I would love to die in my sleep and not even feel it. And then just go up to heaven. And so you want to die like this. Just in your sleep. Ooh, right in the middle of a dream. Good dream. The dream you're going to heaven and you don't even feel it. And then suddenly you wake up. You stand before the judge and you go. Now, if... Uh, Could you imagine, could you imagine watching the Olympics, you know, and some girl does that, just gets up there, starts straddling the thing and then steps off and goes, what is the judge supposed to do on the card? You see, and to me, I go, man, that's the routine that so many Christians are headed for. That's the routine, the boring, I do nothing crazy because I don't want to fall. I, I, that's the routine that they're going to live, and then one day it's going to be a shock because they're going to step off that balance beam and realize they're standing before the judge. They're standing before the judge, and you think he's going to look at that routine and go, Wow, well done. Well done. You live the safest life possible. You didn't slip. You didn't fall. See, that's not the life that God's called us to. That's where the majority will head. But I don't want to go where the majority goes. You guys can turn with me. Luke chapter 10. Uh, I've made it no secret before that when I come up here and I preach, a lot of times this is, this is more of a confession session from me to you. This is more of, hey, this is what I'm learning, and this is what I've been convicted about in my life. And this is something I need to share because I need to be held accountable for it. Um, this video, I love this video because it's so, it's funny, it's ridiculous. I know if you guys have been keeping up, I think the uh, Olympic trials are going on right now, where they're kind of qualifying for, for all these different things. And it's just kind of ridiculous when you think about that. I was actually going to get a balance beam up here, but Erica thought it would be better if I just showed the video so I don't actually fall and hurt myself. But it is, it is a very important point. I think a lot of times when our lives become unstable, when we start thinking about other things that are coming at us, whether it's finances, maybe family matters, it's really easy to kind of turtle. You know, it, it, everything is just really uncertain right now. I, I don't know what's going on. It's, it's not safe. So I'm just going to pull back a little bit. I mean, for me, uh, Eric and I, we recently just moved. And it's been, really, it's been really nice. You know, we moved to a new place. We're setting up our apartment, decorating, kind of, you know, moving in and getting settled. But because of that, it's been really easy for me to settle into a, a mode of, I need a new TV there. I need uh, a new screen over there. I need a sound system over there. And just thinking about, about me, what I want. It's all about, well, you know, we're, things are, we're still settling in and we're not completely comfortable yet. So because of that, I'm just going to pull in and focus on myself. And in Luke chapter 10, we're going to read a story about the Good Samaritan. Most of you guys have heard the story already. It's interesting, though, the context is that a teacher of the law, an expert in the law, is trying to question Jesus. And maybe put, trap Jesus in and, and see if he really knows what he's talking about. So he asked Jesus, well, what are, what are the greatest commandments? 
And then Jesus flips the question around on him. Well, what do you think? It's the same as if, you know, you're asking a two-year-old, hey, what's, or sorry, not two-year-old, maybe one you know this, maybe a, a four-year-old, what's two plus two? And a two-year-old looks at you and be like, what do you think? And well, you're like, well, four. And the two-year-old, the four-year-old looks at you and you're like, good job, you got it right. So this is exactly what the, the teacher of the law is experiencing. He's like, well, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus is like, you got it right. So he's probably feeling a little like, I look really stupid right now. So he tries to justify himself. And in verse 29, the Bible reads, But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. The road down to Jerusalem from Jericho is about 17 miles. And actually, it's a really steep road. Uh, if you notice in the Bible when it says, we'll go up to Jerusalem, or he came down from Jerusalem, it's actually literally talking up and down. That 17-mile journey is a roughly a difference from 25,000 feet, uh, 2,500 feet above sea level to 800 feet below sea level. And it's a really rocky area. It's, there's a lot of desert and just places for people to hide. And so this has actually been known as a very dangerous road. Continuing in verse 31, it says, A priest happened to be going down by the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. And it's really interesting, and, and I know a lot of people have, have, have torn this, this scripture to pieces, talking about, well, it's the religious people. It's the religious people that looked and did nothing to help. And I think it's really interesting that, that Jesus focused on that. It's really easy for us as, as church-going people to be caught up in our own bubble. We're really busy. We have church on Sundays. We have midweeks on Wednesdays. We have Bible talk or small group meetings every week. We meet with everyone. You know, we have our, our discipling partners that we meet with on a regular basis to keep each other accountable. We have our families to take care of. So in our minds, we have a lot of stuff to do. And none of it's bad. But when we start making that our whole life, when we start thinking, well, I have a lot of things to do and I'm just going to manage my stuff, I'm not going to reach out. I'm not going to help someone else. I have, I'm too busy. There are a lot of things that could have been going through these, these two people's minds. You know, I, I'm on my way down, and if I stop to help him, maybe the guys who got him are going to get me. You know, or maybe he deserved it. Because he should have known that this road is dangerous and he shouldn't have been traveling by himself. So what, you know what? He got what he deserved. He'll learn and he'll know better for next time. We can make a lot of excuses. I know for myself it's easy to, to just think, well, you know what? I don't have the time for that. Or I, I don't know how to help that person. The other day I was preparing this lesson and I felt really guilty when I was looking through this because earlier that morning we were, Eric and I were driving um, to go meet with my family for lunch. And as we were leaving our apartment, there was a guy's car who stalled on the side of the road. It's a big SUV. And I was like, oh, man, that sucks. And then kept driving. And I thought about it later. I'm like, you know, yeah, he wasn't in any immediate danger, but he had to push the car by himself. Like, he didn't have anyone with him to help him. He was blocking traffic. People were honking at him. And 
thought crossed my mind, why didn't I pull over to the side just to help him? It would have taken like five minutes of my time. It wouldn't have cost me anything. But I had gotten so caught up in my mind of, I'm more important. I have stuff to do. I can't be bothered by the lives of other people because I need to be about my business. You guys are all really quiet. I'm assuming it's because you're super convicted. Continuing on in verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. This man was not just a complete stranger, but he was a Samaritan. And I think when Jesus told the story, he told it specifically to provoke this teacher of the law. Now, if you know anything about Jews and Samaritans, they did not get along well together. Samaritans were considered half-breeds. They were half-Jews, half-Gentiles. And they were looked upon as less than human. If you, if you associated yourself with a Samaritan, people considered you unclean. And so Jesus uses this, this, this person of a different race to target the heart of this teacher of the law. Not just saying, well, you know, look at this. It's a, it's a, it's a Levite, a priest that walked by on the other side, someone of your group walked by on the other side, but the person who stopped to help, he had no connection, he had no stake in the matter. He decided to stop and help somebody who was in need. He did not see a Jew. He did not see Gentile. He did not see person of wealth, person of social status. He just saw a person in need. And he said, I need to fill that need. Not only that, he not just took care of his immediate needs, but said, you know what? Take care of him for me. I can't stay here. i got to go. But whatever you need from me when I get back, I'll pay it. And I know for me, a lot of times I use the excuse of, well, I don't know how to help this person. I don't have the skills that I need. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. I can't, I can't help you with these problems. But I might be able to find someone who can. extend a hand of compassion. And my clicker died. So Jesus continued, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And this is the reason why I I titled the sermon, Go and Do Likewise. I think it's been really easy to watch the world kind of tear itself apart. To see all the things that are going on, all the suffering and all the pain. And it's easy to be scared. It's easy to not be sure of what to do. Even with talking with with my wife, Erica, I'm like, "I, I don't quite understand everything that's going on. And I, I don't have a solution. 
I don't know what to say. But that's not an excuse for me saying, well, that's not my problem. That's, that's not for me to deal with. It doesn't concern me. Because Jesus says, when you see someone who is suffering, when you see your neighbor in pain, when you see your neighbor in need, have mercy on them. Go and do likewise. Don't pass by on the other side. Don't say, well, someone else will take care of it. It's not my issue. God has placed you in that moment to make a decision to help somebody. The Samaritan saw a need inside to fill it. And Jesus tells a story that anyone can help anyone. There's a quote from Martin Luther King that says, anyone can be great because everyone can serve. You don't need to be religious. You don't need to hold a special position. You don't need to be the guy who preaches here on Sunday to extend the hand of compassion or love. You don't need to be paid by the church. You don't need to be a small group leader. Anyone can show God's love. You would think that that we would be the most eager because we profess God's love. We profess Jesus dying on the cross for everybody. So out of anyone, we should be the ones filling the lines to be volunteers. We should be the ones filling the food banks, boxing up food, being the volunteers in soup kitchens, being the ones passing out food at homeless shelters. But more often than not, we get the excuse of, well, it's too early. It's not safe. I I don't really have the money to, to donate to that. I think we get caught up in our own lives. I know for me, it's, it's so easy to get into the routine of work. We're in school. I have to worry about my final. I don't have, I don't have the capacity. And we forget that sometimes the problems we have compared to the problems of others are nothing. The problem of me figuring out where I need to put a, a lamp in my apartment pales in comparison to the person who doesn't know what food they're going to be eating that night. There was a point in time where I was complaining to my dad uh, recently, saying, you know, my job is just, I just feel like I'm not getting anywhere. You know, we're working, I'm working and doing all these things. I have like 20 different, 20 different responsibilities. I'm doing the work of four other people. And my dad looked at me and said, well... At least you have a job. Because my dad had been laid off last year. And he hasn't been able to find a job since. He's been looking and trying hard, but he hasn't been able to find anything. And it put me, my my, my complaining in perspective. It was like, you know, me seeing a complaint. Oh, poor me. My job is so terrible. The money I make is not enough. And my dad looked at me and said, at least you're making money. At least you can support your family where I was complaining about finances at a different time to my mom. I worry a lot about money. I was complaining to my mom, like, oh, my life isn't going the way I want it to. Like, money isn't coming in the way I want it to. I can't handle the things that that I need to take care of in order to be where I want to be in life. Then my mom shared a story with me about a sister that she was helping out. A sister in San Gabriel who's struggling with multiple health issues, who doesn't have a car, so she has to take the bus to church every Sunday, who struggles with her family, who struggles with with finances, who doesn't have a job, can't hold a job. But every Sunday, she's at church, smiling, so happy to see everyone. And my mom told me, you need to put your life in perspective. 
You have so much. That means you can give. That means you can serve. There are so many more people in this world that need more than you. I was so stuck on my life and what I wanted. All the things that made me feel good. That I forgot about helping other people. And I can't content myself to live an easy life and ignore the needs of the world. And we cannot do that either. As people who profess to follow Jesus Christ, we cannot sit back and watch as people suffer. In Matthew chapter 5, you guys still with me? Not being too heavy, am I? Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. The Bible reads, You are the salt of the earth. But if a salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. As disciples, we cannot be hidden. As we stand here in this room and say, we love God. We want to follow God. We love Jesus. We want to follow Jesus. But we want to do it in secret. We don't want anyone to know. Because that means we have to do stuff. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, earlier I talked about uh, buying a lamp for our apartment. Um, Our apartment has no overhead lighting, so we had to buy lamps to make sure that our rooms, we can see in our rooms. One of the issues I noticed, though, and and I I learned this because I'm not really a handyman. I didn't know that there were different, uh, there's a difference between, like, bulbs of, like, like, watts and lumens and all these other things. There's type A bulbs and, like, these other bulbs. I didn't know any of that. So when I bought a lamp, we put it in our apartment, I was like, this lamp isn't bright enough. I need to get something, you know, like maybe, maybe it's just a matter of changing out a bulb. So I went, and go, not knowing anything about what lumens were or, you know, how bright each lumen counts for, I bought two bulbs that, you know, were relatively cheap, and I was like, they look bright, they're big, like, you know, they should light up the room. So I replaced them and flipped the switch, and lo and behold, they were actually dimmer than the ones that I had replaced. Right. <laughs> the interesting thing with these light bulbs and, and these, these lamps is that the amount of electricity flowing through this lamp remains constant. It's the light bulb that you put into the lamp that limits how bright the light can actually be. The same thing is, is, is with our lives. See, God's power flowing into our lives doesn't change. It's constant. The amount of light we are actually able to shine, though, depends on our life, the bulb that we choose to place in our lamp. If you decide that we're going to let our light shine and I'm going to be the best example I can be, I'm going to touch as many people for God as I can, I'm going to put the biggest watt light bulb I can find in my lamp, you'll be able to shine as brightly as God can, as you can let God work through your life. But if you decide, you know what, I, that's too inconvenient for me. I don't want this, all this expectation placed on me because I'm a bright light. Eh, all that attention getting drawn to me, I don't, I don't want that. I'm going to put a lower watt light bulb in my lamp. 
God's power is not the determining factor of how much of a light you are. You are. We are. How much we decide to, make, to use God's power in our life is how much we can make an impact on others. God's power never changes, and he wants us to do great and amazing things. But if we aren't willing, if we limit God, we won't be able to shine as brightly. In the scripture, God said, Jesus says, you are a city on a hill. You are the salt, the light. And not only that, but people will know. People will glorify God because of what you've done. Now, the example that was shown earlier about the guy, kind of, you know, uh, Francis Chan on the balance beam. Uh, with the Olympics, everyone wears their, their, their country's colors proudly, right? They want to represent and give glory to their country with what they're able to do. So when you stand on the balance beam and you kind of just, well, I'm not going to, I'm just going to, this is safer. At least this way I don't fall and make an embarrassment of myself. What kind of glory does that bring to your country? In the same way, as part of the kingdom of God, how are we representing our kingdom? How are we representing our king? If we decide that we're not going to do anything to reach out to other people, if we're not going to take our time to make someone else's life better, to reach out and to love people the way God called us to love, what kind of glory is that bringing to God? We need to let our light shine. Matthew chapter 25. The scripture actually to me is, it's always been kind of sobering. It's, it's really scary. Um, in, in verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come. You who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. The rest of the scripture goes on, and he says the exact same thing, but the, the opposite to the group on his left. He says, you did not. I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. I was, I was alone, I was cold, and you didn't do anything about it. And they replied, well, when did we see you, Jesus? When did we, we never saw you. If we did, surely we would have. I, I totally would have. Jesus, if I saw you on the side of the street and you were hungry, I totally would have bought you dinner. And Jesus says, again, Whatever you didn't do for any, for the least of these, you didn't do for me. And I think it's really striking how, how our actions and our behaviors can change, depending on the person we're, we're dealing with. Uh, a while ago, when I was actually moving out of my parents' house, uh, moving into a singles brother's, uh, not single, a campus brother's household, uh, I was leaving, and I, I, it was funny because my dad was never the one to be very emotional. He wasn't, you know, never really said, like, what he was feeling. But I could tell that he was anxious about me leaving. You know, he didn't, 
he, he was having a little bit of separation anxiety, you know, his oldest son moving on, growing up. And I remember leaving one night, going out the door, and I hear from the back room, where are you going? And the interesting thing with my family is my brother, my dad, and I, our voices sound very similar. And since he was kind of far away, I thought it was my brother asking me, where are you going? And I was like, yeah, it's Kevin, whatever. And I didn't say anything, so I just kept going. And I hear, where are you going? And I'm like, don't worry about it. Then I hear, oh, so you're a big man now. Just because you're moving out, you don't have to respond to your father? Oops. But my reaction changed because I was like, oh, it's my brother. Whatever. He's six years younger than me. It doesn't matter. He doesn't even know where I'm going. I'm an adult. Then my dad goes, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to meet with some brothers and have lunch. Totally different reaction and response. But the same thing is here with, with, with Jesus. He says, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. Whenever you see someone who's in pain, someone who's suffering, whether it's, it's someone in your class that you can tell just something's not right, it's your coworker who you can tell is extremely stressed about something, it's a friend, a family member that, that is struggling with their lives, Jesus says, whatever you do for them, you do to me. If you reach out, if you love them, you're loving me. If you ignore them, you're ignoring me. I have another video I want to show you. If I can get you guys to click play. Thank you. 
It's heartbreaking to see how much suffering there is in the world. We have been called by God to be the solution. We have been called by God to love. To display his love to the people in the world who need it. Every time we serve someone else, we serve him. Every time we serve someone else, someone who is in need is better off. Our lives on this earth are short. They're brief. They can be summarized by the little dash between the years on your headstone. But God calls us to make that dash matter. Make your life matter by helping somebody else, by shining your light. We cannot ignore the suffering of the people that God loves. If that was your sister, if that was your brother on the street, wouldn't you want someone to help them? God looks at all the people in this world and sees his children. And all he asks is that we help them. I have a few practicals. Everyone is in a small group. And your small group should be involved in the community service project on a regular basis. I know there are a few people that are already doing that. You know, we, we serve in, in uh, kitchens for people to come and receive meals. I know a group of people go out on a regular basis and pass out food to, to homeless people on Skid Row. I believe that this is something that we must do as a church. As God's people, we need to make it a priority to serve and to help. I also want everyone to think of someone specific that we can help this week. You can think through your mind right now, and I know everyone has one person you can think of that needs help, whether it's emotional, spiritual, or even just a physical need. Maybe know that they're hungry and you know, their paycheck's gone for the month. Something as simple as inviting someone over to dinner or taking them out. 
or being a listening ear. We need to be changing our mind and our attitudes towards being people of service. And I think the most important thing is to take some time out and check your heart. I'm not trying to make everyone feel guilty here about, like, oh, I'm a terrible person. That's not the point. The point here is that we as disciples, because we, we identify ourselves as people of God, we need to be people who are outward focused. We need to be people who are looking to help and to serve other people. And we need to check our heart most of all. Are we doing this because we love God? Because we're grateful for everything that he's done for us? Because we have been receiving, we have received so much. We have been entrusted with a lot. The world is full of people who are... Father God, I just like to thank you so much for this morning. Father, thank you that, that you have displayed your love to us in such an amazing way. Through sending your son and having him die on the cross for us, even though we did not deserve any of it. God, you've given us so much. And I pray that you allow us to be able to serve and to give to others out of gratitude for what you've done to us. God, you've given us many talents. You've given us skills. You've given us abilities and knowledge that we can always utilize to help. I pray that as we leave this building, we do not leave not having learned anything, Father, but we leave with the conviction that you called us to make a difference in this world. You called us to leave a mark for you. As your ambassadors, we are here to show people your love. I pray that we make it a normal practice, Father, that people's lives will be changed because of the people in this room as disciples together, saying that we are your children, saying that we follow you, and through that, showing other people your love. Thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you and to learn from your word. I pray that you are honored this morning. Father, you are proud of us as your children, and that we can continue to make you proud by showing your love to all the people in this world. Amen. Amen. So we finished a little bit early. It's 1123. Uh, So parents, feel free to hang around for a little bit before heading downstairs to pick up your kids. Have a great Sunday.